Let the games begin. you got there give you three guesses and the first two don't count well it's some sort of wine yeah i had a housewarming a couple of days ago and and i'm i realized you know having mentioned last week that i don't like vodka and that's what i've got oh my god people brought bottles of wine so i will try some of this are you a wine guy um not hugely, no. Uh, I tend to prefer uh, dry reds, but I have Bardog Chardonnay. I don't know. It's a 2020. Apparently, it was a very good year. I don't know. I stayed home the whole year. What have you got? Uh, I am drinking... Uh, I went shopping at Walmart, so... Their cider selection tends to be limited. It's just uh, Strongbow Gold. Oh, there you go. Nice and simple. And try and not get through the whole bottle. That's the goal. So this is a dumb question. I love dumb questions. In the world of wine, what does it was a good year mean? Ah, okay. So full disclosure here, this is going to be a very ignorant response. <laughs> Uh, I, I, it has to do with the harvest of grapes. I don't think it really matters anymore so much just because, mm-hmm. um, for example, in the, the Quinty area, I, I love this. And this happens pretty much everywhere in Canada that they, they make wine. They don't actually use most of like most of the wine is not made from their own grapes. Nope. Uh, they come from Australia and California. Um, but there was a time when almost all of the wine in the world was produced in like sort of France and Spain, I think. Mm-hmm or that that region of the world and if they had a a bad harvest i think they were also too like we we have a lot better handle on the chemistry of things now so Mm -hmm. things are much more consistent Uh, but you know back in back in the day it was well let's try something new Ooh, that didn't work out Mm -hmm. so a good year is when they did an experiment and it worked Uh, i don't know it has this is this is something that amuses me and this is a bit of trivia that i know to be true that if you put a uh, a wine expert to the test and you pair them up against someone who is literally like at random mm-hmm. uh telling you about the wine the at random person is more likely to be correct mm-hmm. wine experts are full of shit so cheers cheers So what have you been That's up to this acceptable. week? Um, not a ton. Um, let's see. When did we last record? Was it yesterday? The day before yesterday? <laughs> so, No, it was uh, like Wednesday last week, I think. Was it? Oh my God, it's been almost a week. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I, I went golfing on Friday and spectacular things happened, but I'll, I'll bring that up at the end. Uh... I installed lights in my kitchen. Uh, when we moved in, uh, the kitchen was the one area of the house really where we we uh, sort of earmarked. This is not ideal. It's, it's okay. I mean, it's a functional kitchen. It, it's fine. Nothing wrong with it. But there was a single three-pot 
track light above the sink and no other lights in the kitchen. Uh, so I, now, I can tell this went well because we were going to record last night and you were basically, dude, I can't. Yeah. Uh, I need to like drink somebody's blood. Uh, that was actually a Baldur's Gate reference. Yes. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's over the sink. So basically I have to get up on a stepladder over the sink, reaching, holding things up while I'm trying to screw in light things. So, and it was a bit of a, a wonky setup because what I've done is, is the switch that controls the light over the sink. I actually wired in two plugs so that I can run uh, LED. Uh, what would you call? They're like fluorescent bulbs, you know, the the long bulbs, yeah. but they're they're LEDs, uh, so they're super bright, which is nice, and they use almost no power. But you know, that's more stuff than really should fit into a light fixture. So it was a bit of a struggle, and it was over my head, and it took me a couple of hours, so I was exhausted, and I really wanted to play Baldur's Gate three. We'll get to that later. I'm excited that you're playing. Yeah. Uh, but before we do, you were excited about something today. So excited that you interrupted my work day in a good way to be like, dude, we got to talk about this right now. Yeah. So I had an idea. Um, and the idea is for something like a sort of like a, a series, a short thing outside of the podcast. Um, but I thought it would be neat if we introduced it in the podcast um, and then sort of. Uh, like a, I don't know, a soft launch. We, we call those things when there's a, like a pilot that happens inside of another show for its own spinoff. Soft. It's like a soft reboot, soft, mm. soft pilot, soft launch, whatever. Anyway, so the idea is for a, a series and, you know, tentatively titled Nerd Contretemps, which more or less means contest or argument. Uh, and it, it works like this. Uh, there is some kind of a contest where we have to go and do something outside of the podcast, uh, record ourselves doing it, whatever it is, uh, and then each post a video separately, and our audience will judge who won. So, Ian, I'm, I'm counting on you. Uh, right. Uh, so a suggestion to start is that uh, we each come up with two elements that need to be included, uh, and then we do a kind of a read-in to the beginning of a uh, session one or uh, you know, campaign start or a, like a one-shot or whatever. You know the, the little blurb that the DM does at the beginning? You find mm -hmm. yourselves in an inn. Or, you know, you uh, you have spent your entire youth at the at Candlekeep Castle Library, whatever, and now Gorion, your mentor, has told you with no warning to pack up your stuff and get ready to be accosted outside of the gates. Something See, like that. A tabletop kind of preamble would be difficult for me because I usually do that differently, right? Like, uh, like especially for one shots or, or just something like that. I'll I'll do like a mission brief in advance, okay, and then I'll just quickly summarize it. Okay, hmm. well, read the mission okay. brief then. All right, so you want to do a, a tabletop one shot introduction? Sure. I think we need to establish a theme. So that the theme isn't the deciding factor. We need to set some boundaries. Okay. All right. I mean, the, yeah, the, the rules of this are, listen, the rules are written in 
well, they're not written down at all. So we'll make them up as we go. And I, the each of us two elements thing was just off the cuff. We, we yeah, we need to set ground rules and, and whatever it is. It just needs to not be like all one person's idea for how to set it up because that wouldn't be fair. Okay. Knowing that you're planning a cyberpunk one shot and that you've been thinking about this, I think I want to avoid that. Okay. How about uh, my contribution will be that it's going to be noir detective? Ooh. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, now, augment that somehow. Give me, give me something else to flesh that out, and we'll okay. run with it. Okay. Um, the. Okay, the, there are no humans in the world. All of the all of the um, uh, actors, characters, whatever, are anthropomorphic animals of some kind. Okay. So, noir detective, anthropomorphic animal. This is the internet introduction. This is this is the internet, though, so they're definitely furries. Oh, well, that went without saying. Yeah. Yeah, but I, mean, I said it. This isn't fucking Disney. <laughs> mm. This is Dungeons and Dragons. If it isn't horny, what are we even doing? Uh, I mean, yeah, a little bit. So so much of Dungeons and Dragons is peopled by, you know, young testosterone filled males who have actually never known the touch of a woman. And before anyone thinks that I'm throwing stones, I'm just burying myself under them. <laughs> honestly, until I met my wife, I assumed that I was going to be celibate for the rest of my life. Special lady, my wife. So, all right, we want to record this. Yeah. It's a read-in of some kind. Do we want to set a time limit? 180 seconds? We can't do it, like, 60 seconds is a short, but 60 seconds isn't going to be enough to this. short. Um, it's got to be, it's got to be reasonably short. I mean, I'm thinking, like, t uh, two minutes. Uh, Let's go well, three. Okay, three is fine. I, I mean, th three is a, a fairly fairly long introduction to this kind of thing. Now, can you imagine sitting around a table with like five other people and the DM's reading something for like three and a half minutes? You're like, I just want to play the game, man. So yeah, I think three three minutes as an upper limit is fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mm. Somebody should write this down. Whatever, it's recorded. Just listen. Oh my god, I'm not listening to this back. I need a point point form list. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll uh do that. We'll set a deadline of next weekend. Okay. Like a week from this weekend? This is the long weekend coming up, right? Hmm. Do you have long weekend plans? Um let's see. I don't think so anyway. I don't know. My my wife will tell me if I have plans. I am unaware of any plans at this time. All right. Tentatively then, let's aim to have this for the next time we record. Okay. Now, 
a reminder to anyone listening, we will be recording a second episode tonight. So two episodes from now, we should be following this up. Yeah. I mean, it'll just show up on the YouTube channel, one would hope. Well, you know, we got to, hey, subscribe so you don't miss it. And That's right. Ring the bell. Smash that, that like button. Shit. Yeah, All we're right. on the road to 2 million subscribers. It's a long road. I think the other end of it is actually Damascus. So I need help with Uh-oh. something. I'm trying to figure out what to do with this video game segment. I'm trying to figure out what to call it. We, we're doing this retro replay thing that lasted half of an episode. Long enough to load up a single game and go, nope. Nope. <laughs> and I've called it like three or four different things now, just in summarizing the the, the show notes and doing timestamps and chapters. Um, I'm playing with the idea. It just sounds so cheesy, so I kind of hate it but it goes well with the little stinger we did up the gaming grandpa gamer stories or something like that. But I don't know. The old gamers. Oh, well, derp. (laughs) We have a a discord channel with that name that we've been doing shit on for years. So yeah, I don't know why I didn't think to poach that. I, I, you know what? It only popped into my head when you uh, when you said "Grandpa Gamers" out loud. Grumpy old gamers, it is. All right. Well, I'm excited for this week's Grumpy Old Gamers. I used to be an adventurer like you. Stay a while and listen. I am excited because Telson has started playing Baldur's Gate three. I have. I've started playing Baldur's Gate 3, and I've started playing Baldur's Gate 3 again, and I've started playing Baldur's Gate 3 again, and I've started playing Baldur's Gate 3 again. I have made it as far as the Druid Encampment. Six times. Why? Well, I have this condition. You see, it's called Alt-Itis. As soon as I get somewhere anywhere in the game because i started off i started off with a gnome bard um and i don't know i don't even i don't not sure i even made it off the ship with the gnome bard because it 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 just didn't i wasn't feeling it like i i literally just i don't know i was like ah do i i don't identify with this character at all and then i thought i'd kind of like to play I don't know, like a tiefling warlock or, or something like this. And I'd get to the, the character generation screen. I don't like the way that any of the races look except the elves. Um, mm. I got a little distance with an elven wizard. Um, and basically until I met Gale, which, I mean, this is no spoilers. This happens like three and a half minutes into the game. And I thought, well, this is silly. Don't need to have two wizards in the group. All right, I'll try something else. Uh, I have I'm so, cur- currently on an Elven Ranger, and I think that one's got legs because it it you know. I, so, I, having learned that lesson, did you at least look to see what companion characters you're going to have, so you can kind of work around that? Uh, no, a little bit. Okay. Only only just barely. I'm probably going to stick with um, what I've done is I've replaced Asterion with the Ranger. 
so I have uh, the Git Yankee chick L'Oreal. L'Oreal. Lazel. Lazel, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shadowheart, which I'm pretty sure, based on the little bit of reading that I've done, and I've tried to avoid spoilers, um, that she's sort of integral to the plot, which sort of makes sense, right? She's the first companion you meet that you identify with a little bit, and then Gale, because I, I just I find him vastly amusing. Like, he does all of the uh, sort of telltale... I'm a charismatic bard. Let me tell you about a thing with a charisma of 10, <laughs> which I just absolutely love. Yeah. So I'm, I, one of the things that, uh, that I, I have some complaints about the game uh, and they're slightly different from the complaints that you had about the game, but I would like to echo your sentiments that this does feel very much like Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, the number of options that are available for doing that and obviously i haven't gotten very far in the game right i mean i've i've done the little sort of ruined keep tomb thing at the beginning several times um and i've gone into it a different way every time uh so that's that's really impressive uh the only here's a here's a minor gripe that isn't really even a complaint it's just a, oh gosh i wish they had done this i wish that they had let the voice or had the voice actors actually voice your dialogue i i understand why they didn't it would be ruinously expensive but it's a little bit immersion breaking when you click on a um, a dialogue response and your character says nothing but then the uh the npc is fully voiced minor gripe i'm on the fence about that if it weren't a dungeons and dragons game i think i would agree with you but that's supposed to be your voice. Yeah, but your and character does say things like, I hope there's no traps. And yeah, subtle cues and stuff like that. But I don't think it's enough to feel like you're having your own character dictated and determined for you. I don't, I don't think that it's, um, I don't think it's really detrimental. It's something that I would mm-hmm. really enjoy having in the game. Yeah. Uh, if it did exist, it would have to be a toggle. Like you're, you got to be allowed to turn it off. So I have uh, just backing up a couple of questions because you already approach this game very, very differently from what I did. Oh. Now I knew I would want to because I, I read a little bit. Like I tried to avoid spoilers. Uh, I didn't play early access at all. Uh, I bought it like the day before, or two days before it was releasing, so that I had it. I could start downloading day one. I didn't need to really worry about it. And I um, was told that you were getting for pre-releases upgrades to the the digital deluxe or whatever. And I, you know what? I'm going to buy it in a day or two anyway. So I did it. But I knew I was going to be playing through it multiple times. So what I did for my first character is basically roll a D&D character that I've already played to see how Uh-oh. that experience Dex. hangs up. I played, I rolled decks. Okay right down to the inefficient combat and you know what it's it's actually kind of really fun uh so i played a uh, dual wielding dex fighter uh battle master with uh dual wielder feet in the campaign that Talson was running where we went through curse of Strahd and, and did a bunch of stuff afterwards and not ideal 
Those are I the had most some, fun characters, though. I had some insane, absolutely insane burst damage. Like, like. Did you do the dip into rogue? No. Okay. No, I didn't do the dip into rogue. Uh, I, I stuck with it. If I'd have replayed decks, I might not have done the the dip into rogue. I essentially did it narratively speaking to tie into sort of the Lena rogue backstory. I I wrote a little short story to kind of go along with it. Um, With the idea that I wanted the sneak attack dice just to to give me a little bit of extra sustained damage. Because the one thing playing the battle master, regardless of of whether you're playing it optimally or not, is like you've got control over a lot of bursts and then if you're not getting your short rests all of a sudden you're just like whack yeah you know? i hit it with my sword i hit it with my sword i'm going to go get a mountain dew when my turn comes up i hit it with a sword but that's not a problem in this game for a couple of reasons one playing it single player you're playing all of your characters yeah. so you get enough variety just in party composition and and make up with your different companions but also you get so many items like the the amount of loot in the game is unlike any D game that I've, I've ever played so i've always got like scrolls and and miscellaneous things that i can do even if i'm you know throwing oh my yeah. god throwing Shove is overpowered. I've. I'm going to try not to spoil anything here, but as you get into uh, later in Act Two, depending on how it pans out, you're having to uh, fight a guy who. You're, you're basically on a, a platform with decreased gravity oh you've just been hopping around from like floaty platform to floaty platform and you get onto this platform in the center there's no way to position your your crew properly that's one thing that is a little bit immersion breaking especially if you have a tough time in combat where it's like well i have a tough time because i just happen to engage in a conversation or something with my party members at the edge of something. And one thing about the, uh, I've been playing on the, the middle normal difficulty. Yep. And even at that difficulty, the one thing uh, I'm impressed with, but was unprepared for was the, the challenge of having AI that would look at my position and just be like, Oh, there's you. There's an edge. There's lava. Push. Yep. The the one complaint I have about shove is that um, because it's a bonus action, your opponents use it to wake up sleeping uh, allies. So if you cast sleep, it's like, oh, I put them all to sleep. It's no problem. And, and three people go shove. Well, now there's mm-hmm. nobody asleep anymore. Um, so back to, to that fight on that floaty platform. Not only was I positioned poorly where uh, even with a good initiative rolls like I was losing two or three party members in the first round before I had an opportunity to act. Oh, wow. Because as combat starts, the guy spawns like 20 ads. 
and you really don't have anywhere you can go. And I got to the point with my party makeup that I ended up cheesing the fight. Like I, I just got my ass handed to me like three or four times. And then I didn't engage him in conversation. I used polymorph on the guy, turned into a sheep. I walked over, I picked him up, threw him over the edge. Encounter over. That's that's fair. That's what it's for. That's that's one of the things that I love about the game, though, is that there's mm. just so many so many ways to to do things. I especially love grease torch and then just stand at the edge in a doorway and as they come through the doorway you shove them back into the fire mm-hmm. <laughs> which i just makes so much sense oh it does and and they they i know i said it when i was talking about Baldur's gate before but that they took the time to provide reward and meaning for a lot of those mechanics that you would not think would even make it into a video game version of D and D. Yeah, disguise self. Yeah, got to get through a hole. Boom, you're a different shape. Go through the hole. Yeah, and it's... you know, I'm I'm 55 hours in, I think, now in my playthrough, and I've realized, like, I, I was taking my time. I wasn't rushing through the main storyline at all. I was trying to take care mm-hmm. of any side stuff I had, doing my best to talk to any. NPC that just had a name, right? Like you'll That's walk into places. Yeah, you'll walk into places where you know you're in a bar and it's like patron, patron, guest, citizen, stuff like that, and then you see NPCs with names, and not every one of them has has something for you to do. But if you don't talk to them, sometimes you miss important things. Yes, uh, important things related to being able to keep your companion characters and stuff. So you're rewarded for that. But there's an entire aspect of the game that I see people having fun with online that I haven't even touched. And that's the speak with animals um, entire experience. There's there's a fair bit. I mean, all of the animals talk. It's mm-hmm. um, it's fairly impressive. Yeah, well, that's one of the, the things behind the ranger is that there was times when I almost was talking with animals. And it's like, there's an interaction here that I want to be be part of. So, yeah, it's... It's good. It's really good. So, two complaints. Okay. Uh, so I, the control scheme was a little bit of a. It was a little bit of a pain at first, um, and when I when I stopped looking at it like a video game, and started looking at it like D and D, it became much less of an issue, mm-hmm. because at that point I started flying the camera around. I I swapped the controls around a little bit so that. WASND turns the camera and moves it forward and backward and Q and E strafes. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically I just like, I fly the camera around to where I want to go and then I click on a thing and then I double click on myself to watch as, as I walk through it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's still a little bit awkward at times. I find that the camera has a little bit of role as you like when you get away from yourself and it's like, you're looking at everything sort of on a, on a, like through a, a Dutch angle camera, mm-hmm. uh, it's not, it's not a problem. It's just a, this isn't quite right. And it's bothersome. Yeah, um, it's, the, it's particularly annoying as you're working, uh, through areas that have any sort of verticality, like buildings with multiple stories and stuff. And the camera starts like, unless it's locked on a character, it's 
bobbing up and down and and clipping through things and i think yeah i mean it's a challenge to make that work and i think they did a pretty good job so it's it's not a major issue it's just like yeah this is not ideal Mm -hmm. um i have i have actually been using the tactical camera a bit Mm -hmm. Uh, i'll switch in and out of that the one thing that makes me absolutely angry is the lack of an auto pause uh or you know stay in turn based if someone in your party is taking ongoing damage from combat there was one combat that i redid four times not because i screwed it up well the first time was because i screwed it up but most of the time i was restarting it because uh a character was on fire combat ends and before i can click on somebody to get over there and put them out they die Mm -hmm. and i know i can bring them back and there's lots of money in the game and i can do that but it's just so frustrating it's like i did the thing that was supposed to be right just let me stay in turn-based so that i can i can heal them so they survive because they're literally like it's two hit points i need to heal them one time or do a medicine check or whatever throw water on them and we'll be fine I haven't run into that issue too, too much. Um, have you looked through the menus? Uh, what do you mean? Uh, the the gameplay settings and the, the options menus? Yeah, there's no auto-pause that I can see. Um, the other thing that really frustrates me is occasionally uh, conversation will start with the wrong character selected. Right. And it's like, hey, I've got somebody with a super high charisma. Ah, the fighter's talking to the person I need to persuade. Well, great. So there's another another part of the game that I've found that I've approached differently. I haven't actively chosen the optimal character within having conversations. I've tried to mostly have conversations as myself. Yes. Yes, and me too. And that's that's the problem that I have, is especially when I was doing the playthrough with the bard, or I said mm-hmm. playthrough, when I was doing the introductory couple of encounters with the bard, uh, it was like, hey, the bard's got all of these social skills. I'm going to use the, but why why are they talking to the gith? Like, nobody likes gith. And she's abrasive. Like, no, let me do the talking. Ah. Uh... I find myself this is a this is a strange thing though. Uh like the the acting in the game is so good. I find myself trying uh really hard to seek the approval of the Gith Yankee fighter. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to you're not going to get it, right? Yeah, I mean you could, you might. I I mean that's there's definitely uh sort of there's a lot of things, there's a lot of breadcrumbs that are trailed in the first little bit that I can see are setups for payoffs. Mm-hmm. And if they pay off, even some of them, then it's a great game. Um, but it's funny because it's like, no, she's abrasive. And I shouldn't like her. Why do I like her so much? Because she's I, abrasive. Because she's <sighs> real, you know? That's, That's one true. of the things that I've I've never really noticed until I see something like this. Like, I think the Mass Effect games, and you have, like, your companions, and I love me some Mass Effect. And your companions are, some of them, especially in the second game, are, like, if there was an alignment, they would vary into the evil side. Uh, A couple Mm. of the characters in Mass Effect 2. 
But they're generally likable, unless they're the character that's meant to not be likable. And they don't try to make them unlikable. They just, they're that annoying kind of person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, not not intentionally annoying. You're just like, oh, fuck, dude. You're such, so whiny. Yeah, there's there's definitely that. Like, there's there's some, you can tell that there's some attention been paid to actually giving the NPCs, all of them, a personality and a motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's reasonably consistent. And and they all have really unique sort of unique personalities, but unique sort of ways of trying to pull you in different directions. Even if it's not, you know, hey, I'm trying to make you do something bad or I'm trying to make you do something good. Like it's not a binary thing. And particularly if you're trying to be careful about weaving your way through conversation so that you're you're trying to keep conversation natural but you're also trying to to at least keep them reasonably happy with you uh you find yourself not conceding and saying things you wouldn't say at least in my case things that i wouldn't say but you're, you're sort of taking this people management simulator type approach to <laughs> to playing these games. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, I would like to actually uh, touch on a copy. Uh, speaking of you, you sort of uniqueness, I don't think it's, it's any spoilers to say that uh, Asterian is a vampire. Like you meet him. He's got sharp teeth. He has like tooth marks in his neck. He's very pale. Um, just so that we don't have to be guarded at all. And I'm not going to spoil much because you're not very far into the game, but if you don't want spoilers for the game, spoilers, spoilers. skip to the next section. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I can't spoil very much cause I've literally like, I have not gotten farther than I have seen in the, uh, gameplay trailers on YouTube when it was still in beta. Um, but there's, I made a comment to you on discord uh, a couple of days ago as i first started playing and it was normally i play through these games as a female avatar mostly because it's an interesting perspective that i'm i'm not really familiar with and i'm i'm curious in a lot of cases how often or how well you know that is that is done and i mean i'm a poor judge of it to begin with but it's it's a it's a perspective uh, you know, that I'm never going to get in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I started, my my elven wizard was was female, and I got through it, and I'm like, yeah, I got to a certain point, and I'm just like, okay, I'm not, the wizard is the, is the eh, I'm, I'm not really going to play wizard. I think I might do a druid for my, my second playthrough. But... Um, I will say, depending on how the things play out with companions, you do have an opportunity to actually recruit two druid companions to your party um yeah and that's and that's fine i mean i i would i would be it would be fun to flexible do an class entire, yeah doing an entire party of druids um but I, so i i i jumped from there to uh a male elven bard uh you know because bard is kind of my go-to thing for a lot of these games 
and I was playing through and I'm like, okay, I, I kind of, I kind of enjoy this. It's, it feels like the bard is a little bit lightweight in combat, uh, at the beginning. It's not terrible. It's not bad. It's, it's just, I'm not sure that this is a great fit. Um, but I get to the point where you're in camp and Asterion is like, you know, sort of perched over you and it's like, oh, this is where we find out he's a vampire. And then there's this whole thing that happens and I'm like, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Um, it was, it was a, a very, um, it was a very intimate moment. Let's just say that. And, uh, it was, it was, I wouldn't, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but I was very much like, this is going to turn some people on and it doesn't turn me on. And I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. That's the one thing that I will say is kind of. maybe not well paced is the whole relationship stuff it's a little like, quick it's a little quick uh did you you haven't gone through and actually like resolved the grove situation yet there's a little no. sort of at camp situation that happens afterwards but i went basically from trying to be friendly with everybody up until this point like this is not very far into the game and at this point in time, you know, Lazel's still pretty antagonistic towards me, right? Like, not not that her approval is is swung way down. She's just abrasive. Yep. And naturally speaking, you know, the courses of action that she's wanting don't really align with my particular playthrough. And after you finish the Grove situation, there's a camp thing that happens, and the way it unfolds almost depends on who you talk to first. Oh, we got into a big fight. Let's have sex. I, uh, okay. Mild spoilers, but it isn't really spoilers. And we had sort of the, the preface during this sort of camp thing that was happening. I talked to Shadowheart first because like literally that's where I was standing beside her. And she's like, Hey, we should have a drink. You know, I've, I've, I'm going to quit being that, you know, stuck up snob and you seem to be all right. Let's have a drink. I agreed to have a drink after things, you know, after making my rounds. And then I go and talk to Lazelle and she's immediately like, you could have known paradise. But instead you're, you know, and I, what? And then I go over and talk to Gail, and Gail's like, you've made plans with someone else. You know, I could have wooed you. And uh, <laughs> one of the druids that, that you can get is just like, I mean, I'm into it too. But uh, hey, why don't, you, why don't you have fun tonight? You know, it's just... It's just all of a sudden, everybody's coming at me at once. And it's like, wow, I didn't do anything to even like in most most games where you have romance stuff like there's a certain amount oh, it's of a long build up conversational foreplay that has to happen. Right. Like I wouldn't even call it flirting. It's just you're clearly directing a conversation into directions where things get more and more personal and there's an approval thing. And then once you hit that certain trigger, it's like. Now new conversation options open up for you. 
Yes. No, it was like, some... hey, let's have a drink. Okay, I'll have a drink. I'm going to go talk to everybody else, you know? And they're just like, oh, you've made your choice. Dude, you've, you're turning <laughs> this down. It's, what are you thinking? It's like, uh, it's like dating in grade three, right? Where, you know, you, you held hands that one time. So now you're bonded for life. <laughs> now, now my understanding of it is that most of the characters won't, um, won't have a problem with you getting into, you know, some sort of romantic fling with multiple characters. Like it isn't a, you've chosen one type situation. Right. Um, now I've really only even in this first playthrough, at least I've really only had those conversations with one person and I've shut them down. The person that I really wanted to have the conversations with, I haven't been able to get, get there yet sort of central to to what her her story is all about and it's sort of a neat thing um do you have carlac yet no okay have you seen her no okay nope she's your barbarian um right just an absolutely fun wonderful character such a perfect contrast to lazelle and shadowheart this is fun. But the problem is, is at the beginning of the game early on, while everybody else is making moves on you, you can't even touch her. Mm. Or you will be set on fire. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Right. And I, and, I, and I feel like a bit of, I don't know if it's locked out now, because I, you know, I, I had a drink with Shadowheart. Like it wasn't, hey, why don't you come up to my place? get comfortable we'll have a drink yeah it wasn't even that really i mean there was a little bit of a little bit of something something in it but it wasn't you know hey you, you wanna you wanna bang or what like no <laughs> it, it wasn't that it was like literally you know what you're not a complete dick when things quiet down here why don't you come have a drink with me i'm like all right that sounds like step one and maybe an optional 16 step process to being like, yeah, maybe I'll check out this character. Nope. You're locked I, in. Well, I don't think I'm locked in because like everybody else is like, Hey, let's, let's do it. You know, all of them, except for the one that I kind of wanted to explore that with just cause she's like the most interesting character. Have you met Minsk yet? Uh, not yet. That's the one. That's the one thing that I actually I was reading through something. I went, wait, what? Minsk, really? Yeah. Go for the eyes, boo. Yeah, yeah. And it's Mercer's, Matt Mercer who does yeah, the voice. Mercer's yeah. voice. Um, Jahira is also like if you if you've played through the other games, Jahira is uh, an op optional companion you can pick up in this. She's one oh, of those really? druids that I was talking about too. Yeah. Cool, but not um, what's his face? Her companion person. Because in, in the original, it was Jahira and I forget her her partner's he, name. He dies, I think, doesn't he? He might have. In I don't know. second I, game? I, I never played anyway. it. I have not finished Baldur's Gate 1 or Baldur's Gate 2. Mm -hmm. I had more or less the same problem I'm having with Baldur's Gate 3, where it's like, ooh, I'm going to start over as this. 
And then eventually you get bored of doing the first 10 minutes of the game and you're like, eh, I'm going to do something else. So what I will say, uh, because you probably haven't, you're not that far yet, is that you can recruit like hirelings mm-hmm. to play. Now, I haven't really done it. It's not expensive to do. So like if you want to sample different classes and stuff, there's no opportunity to do it. It's like 100 gold. Yeah, most of the th- reason that I wanted to do other classes was to find out how Lazel would react to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I started a Gith playthrough just to see, like, was she? Nope, she's just as abrasive with Gith Yankee too. So it's it's not your species that she has a problem with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm. I mean, I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's a it's a great. Uh, a great game. There's a little, a weird kind of a thing where, uh, and I've I've only done this in the one combat where you you come upon the druids' grove and they're being attacked by goblins. You kill some goblins, they kill some goblins. The one that you kill, you can loot. It's no problem. But the ones that they killed, if you loot them, then it's thievery. But they just leave them lying there. It's like that's weird. The uh, the little loot box is red colored. Yeah, I didn't notice that it was ones that they'd killed. I actually ran into that in the same spot, and I I thought I was accidentally looting one of them yep. that had died in that encounter, because there are a few of them that, that go down. Nope. Huh. Nope. Only the, the, the very first one that happens in the cutscene. You can save the rest. You have to be extremely combat efficient, though. I got, I got very lucky. I also did uh, a thing where I... Uh, I greet like they. I pulled them all into the middle and greased everybody. And then, as soon as the good guys were out, fire. So, yeah, grease is my favorite spell now, which is funny because it's been useless forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of things that I would have even never thought to to really pick up on a character like in a tabletop game that like don't get me wrong uh by the time I had Shadowheart at a higher enough level and either Will or Gale at a high enough level to have Fireball like I did lean on uh Fireball and Spirit Guardians quite a bit Yes. Like my go-to maneuver really with Shadowheart is to get those spirit guardians up and then just walk around. Yeah. Like a like a like a Cuisinart trying to pick mm-hmm. off the 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 ads with the lowest HP. Like I'll even just like, you know, I don't care if you use any actions at this point, just keep those up. Dash just like yep. dancing around the battlefield. Yeah. Dash and uh, Spirit Guardian's Concentration, I can't remember. Yes. Yeah. So Spiritual Weapon is not. No. And you can move it and attack with a a bonus action. So Spirit Guardian's and Spiritual Weapon becomes a pretty combo. Did you respect Shadowheart at all? Because as a trickery... I didn't. I thought about it. I did. I I just did. Yeah. Did you go life domain or... Yes. Mostly to get into heavy armor. And I was looking at it and going like... I, none of our trickery stuff I'm going to use. Like, I don't use it. No, the the one, uh, honestly, uh, one of the reasons I, I mean, I like her as a character, but I keep her in my party just so that I can have the 1d4 boost on basically everything I everything. try to do. Yeah. 
Uh, there's a couple of other characters you get later that can do that. So I might actually, now that I'm getting closer to the end of the game, go through a respec on her just so I have a little bit better healing and a little bit more utility. It's it's not even so much for the, like I say, it's just that like the, I thought about going war domain, honestly. Um, just because like you could respec her into warrior too. Like she, you could, you could actually reclass her as, as a fighter. Um, cause her, her second highest stat is strength. Yeah. Uh, there's some things weird. that happen in her story that made me feel like as much as I wanted to, to respec her, it didn't feel right to do it because it wouldn't have felt right with the turns her story was taking. Yeah. But then you hit a fork in the road with her that can go in a few different directions. And afterwards, with the, the, the way it worked out for me, it totally would feel right now. Okay. So I might give it a try. I'll let you know. All right. Yeah, uh, I was I was fiddling with a bunch of stuff, actually, as people were leveling up and going, ooh, do I take the default options or not? And then it's, you know what? The default options make the most sense in most cases. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Baldur's Gate 3 that you want to talk about before we get into some pod bag? I don't think so. I think that's that's pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with the game. I like it. Um, yeah. All right. got mail ian wrote in <gasps> i know shock <laughs> fact of the matter is he, he actually just gives me like eight questions that i kind of hold on to and, and and work my way through as needed uh his question this week is uh i really like the parting gifts section of your show a couple weeks ago uh, however i hate how hungry you made me uh, discussing meatloaf. This begs the obvious question. When are the two of you going to do a cooking episode uh, where the two of you are in a kitchen, be it the same kitchen or virtually in your own kitchens, uh, where you go over how to prepare perfect bacon and eggs, meatloaf, mashed potatoes, craft dinner, haggis, or whatever normal staples that humans eat? Ah, uh, in the same kitchen? I don't think that's going to happen anytime real soon. Your your method of cooking, I think that your your style of actually preparing food and mine are not necessarily, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Two things go together. Happens on the color wheel. Uh, Complimentary? That's the word I was looking for. Mm -hmm. That one's in the bottom of a glass of wine. All right, so so to queue up then in advance, our next, I don't know, nerd versus nerd, whatever we're calling it, <gasps> we have to develop a nerd recipe of some sort that fits a certain theme. We'll figure it out after we finish the first one. Okay. I like it. I do. I love it. I absolutely love it. All right, and the, the answer to the question is in a couple weeks. Yes. It has to be nerd food, though. Gotta be. <laughs> So what makes nerd food? Nerd food is largely something that you don't have to do a lot of preparation for. Um, I think, I think it's, it's what can I grab while I'm playing video games, watching a movie, or uh, you know, playing Dungeons & Dragons. It isn't going to have, be a lot of fuss 
Um, I think also anything that has a tie-in to a specific, like a, a theme, you know, like like uh, like Pocky, for example, is a is a sort of anime. So anything that's been featured in a uh, an anime or a, a cartoon, anything that they've ever eaten on Critical Role, I'm sure is is nerd food. I don't know, man. It's a good question. Uh, like cooking is almost like the ultimate. I don't know. I've kind of gone through this this rethinking process in my life, where a lot of things that like I wouldn't have considered nerdy before. I've now taken a step back and I look at them with a completely new appreciation and like a, a something like baking, you know, even baking versus cooking, like baking is, is chemistry and like it, it's, it's, it's a science experiment every single time. And it is absolutely nerdy, especially if you're trying to come up with something unique something that's yours and not just following the directions on a recipe, because then you need you to are think following, about all of those. Even if you are following the directions on a recipe, you're still going to like add your own personal, you know, mm-hmm. bam, kick it up a notch or whatever right. it happens to be. The, the, the trend for the past 10 or 15 years, of like gastro chefs and, and stuff that, I don't know. It's yeah. all pretty nerdy. I, I think I agree, though. Like, if we're going to do it, we need to do it with like a, a some sort of connective tissue to perhaps more mainstream nerd. Uh, hot pockets, pizza pockets are definitely anything that you can cook in a microwave in a uh, you know in a, a pause between rounds of a video game. Um, I would like to also uh, say that, like, I was I was thinking as I'm as I'm saying that, and I'm reflecting back on the thing that I said now that was basically suggesting that nerds don't cook um it's not necessarily that they don't cook it's that during the game or whatever mm-hmm. they don't want to take the time to cook so either prepare it ahead of time or or whatever but yeah i think i think that could be a lot of fun yeah and i think your approach where it does uh, compliment is probably the wrong word because it's probably like two mad scientists in the same lab yep maybe dangerous yeah. is the experimental nature. I went yeah. through, well, you know what it's like to not have a ton of money. Yes. We've I all, we've all lived those. And I mean, Tanya and I raising a family, like four kids in one house. Groceries are expensive. And we'd run into these points usually every couple of weeks where we need to go grocery shopping, but it's like, I'm going to do it on the weekend. Let me whip up something. Let me see what's in the cupboards. Mm-hmm. Kids absolutely hated it. Tanya absolutely hates it. Because it's usually me just like, okay, well, I've got some rice. I've got some sort of vegetable. I've got some sort of protein. I've got some sort of... Mash them together. Mm-hmm. Season them enough that, you know, it, it masks any weird shit. And then cover it in hot sauce. Well. Uh, Tanya and, and uh, the girls are not. Well, I don't want to say they're not actually Tanya. She's funny. She's into some spicy foods, but oh. not others. She's complicated. She's convinced. Yeah, she's complicated. I love you, honey. I know you're going to listen to this. 
she's convinced me that there's more to hot than just capsaicin. Absolutely. Right. And I know that a lot of it is like, what is it in and how it binds uh, to receptors and stuff like that. But like, she'll have something that is absolutely like there's, you know, medium, there's mild, and then there's what this is. And she's like, oh my God, this is crazy hot. But then she'll go and have certain things at certain restaurants that like I find a little bit warm. No, I like hot, hot, hot stuff. I don't usually like the taste of a lot of hot stuff. So I don't, I'm not a like throw Frank's red hot on everything because it just tastes like soap to me. Well, Frank's is awful. Most of the the mainstream hot sauces are just terrible. Tabasco, whatever. Anything based on vinegar is basically terrible. We've uh, side tangent uh, been talking about, and I want to start dabbling with in the next month or two, making hot sauces. There you go. But um, it's blueberries. We've been going through a ton of blueberry stuff at work. We kind of got a pizza day that we've been doing at the office. And um, for the past three or four summers, uh, I did it for a couple summers. Andrew's been doing it like every year, growing uh, everything from. Uh, Carolina Reapers to Habaneros to I don't think we've gotten to the ghost pepper uh, train yet but I'm growing them in pots like not in any quantity so it's usually quite limited but he's been doing hot sauces with like blueberries and pineapple and stuff that tastes good and I found that a lot of those peppers like they add some heat to it but they also ruin the taste of whatever it is so one of the things that I want to do is whether I'm working with an extract or something like that, I want to just have like, here's the sauce that tastes good. And here's the three levels of heat that you can get that sauce in. And the, the, the palate doesn't change significantly from mild to like triple X. I don't know if I can pull it off. That's the goal. That's part of why I want to do this sort of experimentation. Oh, that's interesting. I, I do find the different peppers have different flavors. And the one that mm-hmm. I really appreciate is uh, the Piri Piri pepper, which shows mm-hmm. up in a lot of uh, Portuguese cooking. Um, I think it, it grows in Africa somewhere is where it's originally from. Yeah, I did a little bit of digging into to places that sell um, either uh, powder or uh, just flaked, like dried um peppers you know bajillion different uh, brands from a bajillion different sort of international origins and not cheap but i don't think i need a lot of it to to do what i want to do so i'm going to experiment with it a little bit not for experimenting no we i actually we actually buy the the prepackaged hot sauce from nando's and it's good it's tasty it's a little bit hot um, but it, it actually has flavor that's worth flavoring, even if it wasn't hot. Yeah. Nice. Uh, well, I guess we, uh, sort of answered Ian's question. Hey, let's wrap this episode up with some parting gifts. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Helson? So I had uh, a little bit of a, a thing that I would talk about at the beginning, and it, this is a bit of a humble brag, but um, I broke 80 on the golf course for 18 holes in a competitive round, 
for really the first time ever. Um, and th- this is my parting gifts. I'm I, awesome. Bask nope, in my nope, glory. No, nope, worship nope. me. No, not not even remotely. So I have. <laughs> I, I I mean, this is a little bit of a, a sort of bit of a story. But the the parting gift is actually a YouTube channel uh, called the Brian Brothers. Um, and the reason for that, the reason I brought up the shooting seventy eight is that um, I've been sort of you know getting a little bit better, getting a little bit worse at golf for for the year because I just got back into it. Um, and I was having a lot of problem with my short game, with my chipping. Uh, and the credit for my 78 goes to Wesley Bryan, who is a PGA Tour pro coming back to the PGA Tour after an injury. Um, he did a, a, because he is one of the best short game players in the world, he did a, uh, a tutorial video on their channel about pitching and chipping, sort of hitting short shots with wedges. And it's really awful. Like it's an absolute, it's the worst instructional video you've ever seen in your life. He doesn't really teach you much. He doesn't, doesn't talk about how things really work or what you're supposed to do. Um, but the example is really, it, it fit exactly what I needed. And, you know, aside from that, they're, the golf that they play against, because it's brothers, right? It's uh, Wesley and his brother, oh God, George. Um, and they are, they're brothers. They have like this rivalry going on. There's a lot of chirping that goes back and forth. It's very entertaining. They're both very good. Uh, so it's worth watching. Um, and the, the, the amusing thing about having broken 80, it's not the first time that I've broken 80, which is a pretty big milestone for an amateur golfer. Uh, but I went back and looked at the course because it was at Oak Hills in Sterling where I broke 80 before. And I went back and looked and I remember it being like a long course and it was pretty hard. And I, I looked at it and it's, it's a par 70. It's rated at 64. Uh, it has a slope of 107, which means nothing to you if you don't do handicap calculations off the course. But basically what the slope is like a, a calculus calculation is literally a slope of a curve of as you get better, how much easier does this course get? Um, higher slopes mean that, you know, it's, it's harder as, as you get worse, it gets really, really harder. It's basically a farmer's field with some, some pins in it. Uh, it's 5,400 yards, which is very short. So, so I've, I've reevaluated my life and this is now the first time that I've actually broken 80 on a golf course. So <laughs> anyway, check out the Brian brothers. It's, it's a great and very entertaining, uh, golf YouTube channel. I, I know that I, I bring up golf a whole bunch in these parting gifts because it's, I started watching, you know, golf on YouTube and it got me back into the game. So if you're interested in golf, watch the Brian brothers. They're pretty cool. Well, there you go. Tussin, it's been an absolute blast talking to you. Can't wait to do it again in 10 minutes or so. 10, 10 minutes. Yeah. I'll see you then. Hey, everybody else. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you'd like to submit a question to the pod bag or, Hey, send us your own parting gift. Fire us an email podbag at nerdingundertheinfluence.com. Telson would love to hear from you. I would. I'd love to hear from you too.